The first reading is from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, starting at the beginning of the chapter. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The second reading is from the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 11, starting at verse 32. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and ill-treated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. I'm Sam, one of the staff team here, and it is great to be with you all. Would you pray with me as we begin? Heavenly Father, we ask that you would come and have your way among us this morning, that our lives would magnify the name of Jesus. Amen. Christianity is not for the faint-hearted. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, writing 80 years ago, said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. The question we're going to ask this morning is, whose affirmation are we living for? Who would make our day, our week, our year, if they turned around to us and said, good job? 
Would that person be your boss or your colleagues? Your parents or your children, your friends, your followers on social media, be that Instagram, Twitter or Strava. Today we're culminating our series in the Beatitudes, the sayings of Jesus that begin the most famous and influential sermon ever preached. Today we conclude our series, but we're not there just yet. Through the series, these eight characteristics of the life God blesses, the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, each with their blessing, have been likened to rungs on a ladder, each one building on the one before. They've been likened to pieces of equipment in the gym, each one hard work, and some less popular than others. Today, it's my privilege to point us to the final rung, the top of the ladder, to pull the dust sheet off the final piece of gym equipment. When I picture a ladder, I'm not just picturing the sort you'd have at home to sort of reach uh, you know, the top when you're doing the painting. Uh, or fix a window or something like that. I'm, I'm more picturing the sort of ladder they use for team building exercises. I think they call it a Jacob's ladder, uh, where the first rung is sort of, you know, that sort of chest high and you sort of have to work together as a team to sort of get each other onto one rung. And then the next rung is a bit further apart and a bit further still. Well, today we're on, uh, you know, we're sort of six rungs up and we've got the final rung to go. Uh, and I think it's going to be a team effort to get there. Likewise, if we were in the gym, uh, I don't know which is your least favourite piece of equipment, but maybe this is the rowing machine, and uh, it's been whacked up to full resistance. Um, so, psych yourselves up, because this is uh, going to be a, a good one. So today we're learning from the final beatitude, and in many ways, uh, particularly for us in the UK, it's, uh, it's probably the least popular, the hardest to understand, hardest to get our heads around. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Jesus has returned to that initial promise, theirs is the kingdom of heaven, making it clear this is the final one, the sort of bookend of this little series of Beatitudes. Yet he continues and addresses the disciples directly. Blessed are you when people insult you. Blessed are you when people persecute you. Blessed are you when people falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It's not a comfortable topic, and it might not seem like a relevant one. But if you want to be blessed, listen up. We might think of persecution of Christians as a thing of the past, confined to certain dark ages, the early church, say, or the Reformation. But Open Doors, a charity that supports the persecuted church today, estimates that globally there are more than 360 million Christians who live in places where they experience high levels of persecution just for following Jesus. That's one in seven of us around the world. And according to a 2012 report from the International Society for Human Rights, approximately 80% of all acts of religious discrimination were against Christians. That makes Christians the most persecuted faith group in the world. So if anything, those persecuted for being Christians is on the rise. 
with estimates of uh, those who die for their faith each year between 10,000 at the more conservative end and 100,000 uh, at the other. Here in the UK, we might not be at risk of uh, violent oppression as many of our brothers and sisters are. But nonetheless, there's a silent and pervasive pressure that oppresses and persecutes believers here. Being a Christian is not for the cowards. We must be willing to face opposition, rejection, peer pressure. Paul says outright, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And there'll be many of us this morning who can testify to the veracity of Paul's statement. The life which God blesses is the one that embraces persecution for righteousness sake. There are three steps that I'm going to offer us this morning to climb together this final rung. Step one, pursue righteousness. Step two, embrace persecution. Step three, remember the reward. So our first step, pursue righteousness. You'll notice that it's not persecution for persecution's sake that's being commended here, nor persecution for doing good. It's persecution for following Jesus and pursuing righteousness. There's a danger of misreading this beatitude, of stopping short and just seeing it as blessed are those who are persecuted, full stop. But that's not what it says. Jesus isn't teaching that uh, any and all persecution results in God's blessing. And he isn't saying, go and be persecuted, do whatever it takes, find someone, annoy them, irritate them such that they persecute you and the blessing will be yours. No, that would be ridiculous. There's nothing blessed about seeking persecution simply for the sake of it. But nor is Jesus saying that we'll be, um, we'll be persecuted for doing good. There's a doing of good deeds that is praiseworthy, noble, and very much acceptable in the eyes of the world. A few verses later, Jesus says, Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. No mention of persecution there. But there is risk that people will insult us, persecute us, and falsely say all kinds of evil against us because of him. So step one is to pursue righteousness, to pursue Jesus. Whether we're persecuted or not is ultimately out of our hands. But it is up to us to pursue righteousness. And there's a blessing in that itself. We heard a few weeks ago, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And later on in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus commands us, his disciples, those learning from him, following his way, to seek first his kingdom and the righteousness of God the Father, and that all we need will be given to us as well. Those who have pursued righteousness, their stories abound through the centuries. Bonhoeffer, whose quote we heard at the beginning, seeking to be obedient to Jesus, stood up against the evil of the Nazi regime. Going back to the Roman Empire, 200 AD, there were a couple of young women, Felicity and Perpetua. This was a time when declaring Jesus as Lord and, and uniquely as Lord, as opposed to Caesar, 
was a very dangerous thing. And despite Perpetua being pleaded by her father to renounce her faith, she refused and stuck to her confession of Jesus Christ as Lord. Stephen, in the book of Acts, refuses to rise to false allegations. And instead, when he's given the chance, he gives a bold and brave speech, sharing his testimony of who Jesus is. And in fact, these religious authorities had had him killed. Jesus himself is our ultimate example of one who pursued righteousness. He taught us in the Sermon on the Mount and he lived the perfect life, refusing to be cowed by religious authorities at the time. He preached the good news of God's love, God's forgiveness, cast out demons and healed the sick. As believers, we need to be pursuing Jesus and pursuing God's righteousness. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is all about if you want to continue reading these few chapters of Matthew about doing life the Jesus way, learning rhythms of life in the school of Jesus. And when you get to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, you'll find out it's the life that Jesus promises, brings security through the storms of life. This beatitude is searching for us because it forces us to examine ourselves and and ask Are we facing persecution? Jesus seems to expect us to face persecution, but has he got it wrong? Or have we compromised something of his righteousness along the way? Following Jesus does invite ridicule, and most of us will have stories of times that we've experienced that. Perhaps it was a time at school or at work that you mentioned you were a Christian or that you'd been to church. Perhaps you were just thinking about the Christian faith and even to mention that took a a step of courage for fear of rejection from friends or colleagues. I think of a time when I was down at Royal Marine Commando Training Centre in Limston and uh, half a dozen of us were there looking at being officers and uh, as we were having our kit issued, um, the friendly staff asked what we would have been up to on an ordinary Monday if we hadn't been there. And uh, one guy said he was in sales. The next, that he was a teacher. Both good, fine professions. I said I worked for a church. And they, you know, kind of a smile came onto their faces. And they were like, oh yeah, church boy. You know, you could see they looked like they were going to have fun with that over the course of the weekend. And they did. But so did I. And uh, it was a great week. Um, Great fun um, sort of owning that and then sort of surprising them uh, along the way. Um, Being Christian is about following Christ. And as I said, there are certain things following Christ, um, good works that are to be applauded, but won't, won't get us in trouble. They're great things like humanitarian work, which we're seeing much at the moment, and social action, great things. But there's a particularity to righteousness and following Jesus that isn't so universally acceptable. So what would it look like for us, for you to be countercultural in your setting because of Christ this week? Perhaps it's speaking of Jesus, using his name, sharing the good news. 
Maybe it's offering to pray for someone who's unwell, telling them that Jesus loves them and wants, wants to have them better. Perhaps it's just getting stuck into church, being a committed part of the family. Maybe it's working really hard and doing your job well, but also pursuing a balanced life and having good boundaries. Maybe it's choosing to give a, a tithe to the church. Maybe it's choosing to give your life to Jesus and stand up and get baptised publicly. Using your spare time and energy for church ministries. Saving sex for marriage. Choosing to work for a church. There are plenty of specific things that the world won't be such a fan of. As Christians or those thinking about following Christ, we need to count the cost and be prepared to pursue righteousness. So that's the first step, pursue righteousness. And the second step is to embrace persecution. Embrace persecution. On the whole, we as humans do our best to avoid pain and persecution. Jeremy Bentham, an 18th century philosopher and the founder of modern utilitarianism, argued that we have two basic instincts, to maximise pleasure and to minimise suffering. He said, nature has placed mankind under the governance of two sovereign masters, pain and pleasure. Much of life's efforts is spent on avoiding pain and maximising pleasure. Jesus is straight up and offers himself as the sovereign master and explains that as the world hated him, so it will hate those who follow him. Can we really expect to follow him, become like him, without sharing at all in his experience? Jesus warns his followers that in this world, you'll have trouble. So it's not a surprise that Christians do indeed run into trouble. It's part of the package. Paul says, we're destined for trouble. Jesus says, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you also. I don't know about you, but I can begin to think, maybe I can find a way to live this sort of best of both life. Maybe I can keep the world happy whilst also pursuing righteousness. Maybe I can sort of succeed, as it were, where Jesus got it wrong, where he was persecuted. I can avoid that. And Jesus says, don't kid yourself, Sam. Don't kid yourself, you're not greater than I am. Maybe he's gently asking me, asking us, if we're managing to keep everyone else happy, are we really pursuing righteousness as zealously as we'd like to think? Jesus says we're blessed when people insult us, persecute us, falsely say all kinds of evil against us because of him. Thousands have been fleeing the Ukraine in the last week to avoid becoming collateral damage in Putin's invasion. Of course they have. But what I've found particularly surprising and, and impressive uh, are the tales of those who've gone against that tide and have been going back to the Ukraine to join in the fight, to, to join in the resistance, to return to their country and fight for its sovereignty and freedom. And that's a tremendous example to us of their courage, the courage to embrace persecution for a cause they believe in. For us, it's the courage to, to stand for the privilege and freedom to follow Christ. And we see examples of persecution throughout 
church history. In recent times, Bonhoeffer, whose quote we heard at the start, um, hanged just days before the end of World War II on the 9th of April, 1945, for his part in the conspiracy to assassinate Hitler. Then Felicity and Perpetua, who were locked up in prison, where Felicity was pregnant and Perpetua was nursing her young baby, they were willing to face that for Christ. There's the example of Stephen, the very first Christian martyr. In the book of Acts, we read, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard his speech, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he said this, he fell asleep. Stephen, Felicity, Perpetua, Bonhoeffer were persecuted in that ultimate way, having their very lives taken from them. Yet Stephen, in the midst of that horrifying execution, was able to pray for the Lord's forgiveness on those throwing the stones. That's reminiscent of Jesus' torture on the cross, yet his ability in the midst of that to say, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Jesus wrestled with the Father in the garden and said, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And he willingly embraced that cup, embraced the persecution. So to embrace persecution, we need to remember three things. The opposition, opposition will make us, make me more like Jesus. That opposition will deepen my faith. That opposition will give eternal rewards. So step one, pursue righteousness. Step two, embrace persecution. And step three, remember the reward and rejoice. The secret to suffering for Christ is to remember the rewards and rejoice. Jesus doesn't offer empty platitudes. He promises, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What is the kingdom of heaven? It's the kingdom of God, the eternal, unshakable kingdom of love, joy and peace where all that is broken is made new and all that is good is made perfect. It's the kingdom where illness and death are but a memory and all wars are left behind. And while Jesus promises that his followers will have trouble in this life, at the same time, in the same breath, he encourages us, take heart, I have overcome the world. So we don't face this life, we don't face the world alone, he is with us. And he's given us each other to journey with along the road. We heard the conclusion to Hebrews 11, which speaks of Gideon, Barak, Samson and Jephthah, 
David and Samuel and the prophets, and others who were tortured, some refusing to be released so they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, chains, imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning, sword in two, killed by the sword. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. These heroes of the Old Testament and the heroes uh, of church history and of the New Testament had in mind the kingdom of heaven, not the kingdom of earth. They counted it an honour to be considered worthy of suffering for Christ. Suffering for the one who had that ultimate choice between the kingdom of earth and the kingdom of heaven. And rather than taking the kingdoms of this earth and ruling as the temptation went, the kingdoms of this earth rather chose to be persecuted for our sake so that the kingdom of heaven might be open to us all. So as we face opposition for our faith, remember that in so doing, we're becoming more like the saints and more like Christ himself, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Persecution offers us a chance to choose God and his kingdom over mankind and his kingdom. So to conclude, pursue righteousness, embrace any persecution that comes, remember the reward and rejoice. In the West, it's not violence that we need to fear so much as pressure to conform and keep silent. And in many ways, that's a harder, more insidious pressure to resist. Open hostility is galvanizing. For us, it can be harder to discern what it looks like to take a stand. But in being persecuted for righteousness, we're joining the prophets, the heroes of the faith, and Jesus himself. We're choosing to live for him alone, to trust him alone. We're turning our back on this world and living for the kingdom that's to come. We can do this knowing that Jesus is with us by his spirit, that our Father in heaven has our backs and that he has the kingdom of heaven in store for us. A couple of questions for us to ponder. If they made it illegal in the UK to be a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict us? What is our faith costing us? At what cost would we stay faithful to Christ? If someone put a gun to our head, where would that leave us? Whose affirmation are we living for? The popularity of the world or the smile of our heavenly father? Jesus says, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the son of man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his father's glory with the holy angels. But in the same way, he promises gloriously that whoever acknowledges him in this life, he will acknowledge before the Father. So let's take a risk. Let's be courageous. Let's offer to pray in public for friends, for colleagues, to uh, be willing to stand up and take a stand, to be baptised. Perhaps it's just having your Bible on your desk at work or messaging a non-Christian friend who might need praying for and saying, hey, mate, I'm praying for you. 
Let's pursue righteousness and remember the rewards in store and rejoice. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is a challenging word. But we thank you for Jesus and his call to follow him. Thank you that in so doing, we know that he is with us, whatever the road looks like. We pray that you give us courage to follow him and to, to face whatever that brings. We pray that we together would become more like you and live to your glory and enjoy your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.